0: Hey guys, Abel here. Welcome back to another video, a long time no see, and in today's video I want to do something pretty cool, at least I hope it will be cool, and that is talking about the order of importance or the tier list of muscle building hypertrophy training, what are the things that really matter for building muscle, and what are the things that just don't matter as much, even though a lot of people think that they do matter a lot. By the way, if you notice that my voice sounds like that of someone who has a cold, it is because I just... I'm coming out of a cold. It's been uh, bugging me for about a week, but luckily now I'm really at the end of it. And um, also, I think I will have to stop this video right now because my cat is going crazy. Lizzie, get here. I'm going to show her to you. Um, The last time you saw her, she was like half the size. She's growing like a weed and she's a little bit crazy, but she is beautiful. But aren't all the best women in the world. So I'm going to begin with the things that just don't matter a whole lot, and people put a lot of stock into these things, even though as far as the end product is concerned, which is of course building as much muscle as we can, these factors just really don't matter a whole lot. As usual, I categorize things into different, well, categories. So I have a category that is called Very Overrated. If you don't know about these things, then it just wouldn't matter. So you could build all the muscle that you want, even though you don't even know that these things exist. The second one is just overrated. So these are stuff that, you know, they have some value. There is definitely some good stuff in here, but they just don't matter nearly as much as a lot of people think. Then we have another category with the title matters so these things matter but just not as much as people think so kind of similar to the previous one maybe these things have a bit more value to them for more people but still it's not nearly the end all be all then we have things that are important so maybe they are not essential so it perhaps shouldn't be the absolute focus of your training but they are definitely important factors and you should definitely know about them and then we have essential things so without these things you will just not get anywhere. And that can pretty much be guaranteed. So without further ado, let's jump into our tier list. So first thing that I'm gonna mention in the very overrated category is periodization. Now that might come as a shocker for a lot of people. And I know that a lot of very smart trainees actually periodize their training very heavily. And I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with it, but I will also say that if you never knew that periodization is a thing and that you can even do such a thing as periodizing your training into different phases, you would still build all the muscle that you ever wanted to build. It is just highly, highly overrated for muscle building. In fact, I would say that it is just not needed for muscle building. And I would say that... The majority of the literature also supports that and anecdotally we also see that that a bunch of people have reached their genetic potential even though they didn't have any form of periodization in their routine. It would be a whole different discussion if we were talking about strength sports such as powerlifting. In those sports, yes, periodizing your training is very important. For muscle building, no. It's just a much, much simpler process in the sense that the muscle is just a dumb piece of meat. You need to stimulate it over time. You need to increase that stimulus as you're getting bigger and stronger. But beyond that, there is just really no need for this kind of thing. Okay, so the next thing on our list here, still in the very overrated category, is very, very closely related to the previous one. And that is phasic training or the phasic nature of your training. So maybe having a block of training where you're doing heavier loads, lower rep ranges and then having another phase where you're doing a lot higher reps and you're doing a lot of these uh, special training techniques like drop sets and supersets and you're really focusing on that metabolic conditioning aspect of your hypertrophy training, things like that. These things can be fine and there can be some use for it. For one, for enjoyment's sake, like it's nice to have some variation in your training but um, also for example doing some higher rep phase can have some utility if you're really banged up you want to heal some injuries and things like that yeah it can have its uses but it's far from being a requirement like you could train with the same rep ranges same rep targets from the first day of your training journey till the last day and you would still get to the same end point okay so the next thing is again almost the same as the previous two concepts and that is just a variation and here i don't mean varying the phase of your training or periodizing your training here i mean varying things like your exercise selection rest periods rep ranges, things like that, like modifying certain key or core components of your training and doing that on a set schedule. So a lot of people would say that, okay, if in this training block you're doing flat bench presses and incline dumbbell presses and pec deck flies for your chest, then, you know, after maybe two, three months, you should change those exercises because, you know, variation is good. And I would say that variation can be good if there's a good reason for it. So I think changing these things like rep ranges, rest periods, uh, exercise selection, like these things can happen in your training and they will happen from time to time, but they should always happen in a reactive fashion. So for example, changing up an exercise, is there a good reason to do it from time to time yes absolutely but if you don't need to and if there's just not a good reason to do it then why do it you know if the flat bench press is working great for you it fits your body you're built for it you're gaining strength and your chest size is improving as well and there are no joint issues then why should you change the bench press just for the sake of changing it up i don't agree with that and i think once again there can be good reasons to be mentioned against it and the reasons for it are just never super super compelling. It's always some sort of a vague argument which if you really dig down kind of just sounds bro sciencey at the end of it. So variation I would say is highly overrated. Okay so with that we arrive to the next category which is the overrated category. So there are some good stuff in here but they just don't matter nearly as much as a lot of people would like to think. So the first thing that I'm going to mention here is actually a collection of a couple of overrated concepts and that would be the feelings and sensations, subjective sensations that you have during your training such as pump, soreness, how much your muscles are burning and things like that. These are things that I like myself so i can only say positive things about them i like getting a good pump in the gym just as much as anybody else when i get a nice satisfying feeling of soreness in my muscles after a training session i also love that but these are not things that are going to be drivers of your progress and i also would say that it's not like it's very very questionable to say that these are key indicators that you're on the right track If you're getting sore, for example, in your muscles, does soreness indicate something good? Yeah, of course, it at least does indicate that you have worked that muscle. Like if you're doing heavy squats and you're getting sore in your quads, yeah, I mean, at least that tells you that you didn't train your triceps, or at least you did some exercise that really does work the quads but the lack of soreness definitely does not indicate that your training is not productive and is not highly effective for example my chest is one of my better body parts i've been training my chest for years but uh, for the most part i've been doing very similar exercises and on those exercises i'm just not getting sore anymore because soreness for most people is highly correlated with the newness of an exercise okay so If you're new to an exercise, your nervous system still has to figure out how to perform that movement the most efficiently. And so oftentimes that comes with a lot of needless movements and redundancies in the way of your execution. And oftentimes it's actually the connective tissue surrounding the muscle that is getting a bit inflamed. And that is what's giving you that feeling of being sore. Is that a good indication of your training being effective? I would say no. You know, my chest has improved over the years a lot. I'm basically never sore in my chest but i can guarantee you if i went down to the gym tomorrow and started doing some completely new exercise for my chest even though it would be far inferior to the movements that i'm doing currently at first i would get sore probably the second time i'm doing that exercise i would also be sore maybe the third time as well after maybe four sessions i would just stop getting sore from that exercise as well So it just doesn't tell you a whole lot. Now, there are some other people who get consistently sore, even if they keep doing the same movement year after year. But, um, you know, it probably just has to do with individual genetics and how their connective tissue is put together, much more so than the actual value of soreness. The same thing could be said about getting a good pump. There are a lot of things that you could do in your workout, which would result in you getting a better pump. And a lot of those things would have nothing to do with building muscle more effectively in fact a lot of these things would actually hinder muscle growth based on our best understanding currently for example you could shorten the range of motion and that would result in a better pump but would that result in more muscle growth no it would probably result in less muscle growth based on our best understanding today full range of motion and getting a full stretch in the muscles that you want to train is better than having partial range of motion, even though that could result in you getting a better pump. The next thing is sort of related, and that is the mind-muscle connection. So how much do you feel that a certain muscle is working during an exercise? This can definitely have some utility, especially on more isolation, single joint lifts. So for example, on the bicep curl, on a lateral raise, I would say it can have a good use, if anything, because it tends to just automatically correct your technique and execution, which is a big factor but on a lot of other movements such as squats, bench presses, chin-ups, basically any type of big compound press or pull for the upper body or lower body, the mind-muscle connections utility is just going out the window, basically. And actually there is good research on this, like up to a certain intensity, and by intensity I just mean a percentage of your 1RM that you're working with, up to a certain point you can actually influence which muscle is more active during a movement and which muscle is less active, Probably that also changes as you're approaching failure. But above at about 80% intensity, and again, probably also above a uh, certain proximity to failure, this changes. Basically, your nervous system is not able to consciously activate or deactivate some muscles relative to one another. So basically, your brain is really good at aiming for maximal performance, and it's choosing the path of least resistance effectively. So your brain knows... What's the best way for me to get this bar from here to here and whatever muscles I need to activate for those, they are going to get activated and you have no more control over that consciously. So mind muscle connection, if you're really, really obsessing over it, it can actually set you back because you will try to do funky things in your training and that will eventually get in the way of other more important things, such as how much actual effort you're applying to your training. And I would say that for the most part, if you just focus on good execution, then mind-muscle connection is going to take care of itself And if you do a movement and it doesn't feel bad, so it doesn't hurt your joints, but the form looks textbook and you're able to apply yourself, give good effort to the exercise and over time be progressive with it, I would just take that as good enough. And if you're not feeling it in your muscles that much still, then I would just not worry about that too much. Okay, the next one is training tempo. So basically how many seconds is the concentric phase of an exercise? How many seconds is the lowering phase, the eccentric phase of an exercise? There was a period where people were obsessing over this stuff. There were a couple of uh, training split fed programs that came out and they were really, really focused on tempo training. Basically, the long story short is as long as you don't let gravity do the work for you on some exercises. So, for example, on the chin up, you don't just like drop down into a dead hang or on a squat. You don't dive bomb down, but you actually control the movement with your muscles. As long as you're doing that basically your training tempo just doesn't matter because ultimately you come out at the same place anyway. Like you can do slower reps and that way you will simply fatigue more quickly and you will be able to get less reps but because the reps are slow the total time under tension so the total duration of a set will be still quite long or you can do faster reps that way you will be able to do more reps and even though each rep is quite fast because you're doing a lot more reps the time under tension is going to be just as much as in the previous case. So basically it all balances out and it just doesn't really matter. In some cases it can have some utility, but in some cases everything can have some utility. So when you're injured, actually it seems like a lot of these things only have really good utility when you're injured, but during injury, yeah, it can be really, really useful to slow down the reps because that way you are able to control your technique much more and so you're a lot less likely to re-aggravate an injury. Also for people learning a new movement and just trying to figure out the technique and the execution, it can be a useful thing. So for beginners or for anybody who is learning a completely new and relatively technical lift, focusing on tempo a bit more can be useful. Okay, the next one is warming up. Uh, Might be a little bit controversial, and I'm not saying by any means that warming up is not important. I do think it is important, although you would be surprised just how well you can do and how safe it is on a lot of exercises to not warm up. I would say that warming up has basically two purposes. For one, elevating your body temperature. There are a couple of mechanisms by which warmer muscles are just more effective at doing work. And the second thing is refining your technique. So on certain more technical lifts such as squats, if you just walk into the gym, load up your heaviest weights and you start squatting, then uh, you know it might end badly just because there is a certain groove of the squat that you kind of have to refresh each time you're doing the squat. So that's why doing some warm-up sets with the squat can be a really useful thing. You refine your technique before you get into your work sets and that way your workout is going to be more effective and safer so warming up is definitely important the reason i'm putting it in the overrated category is because some people have such amazingly complex warm-up protocols that honestly i don't know if this is their workout or they are still warming up or they just came for some prehab session to the gym it's just a way way overkilling it so your warm-up doesn't have to be anything fancy honestly something like hopping on a treadmill and walking at a moderate pace until you break a sweat and then just doing some warm-up sets with the exercises that you're actually going to do with lighter weights of course is going to be plenty for warming up so i don't think that you need to foam roll you need to do all kinds of special stretches and all of these things before each workout it's just wasting time honestly And I'm sure once again, there might be a person who really, really benefited from this kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's honestly just wasting time. The next thing is actually quite related and that would be special prehab protocols. So basically doing all kinds of corrective exercises and drills before each workout to prepare the shoulder joint and elbow joint and whatever joint and um, again I'm sure there can be cases where this is actually needed but I think for the most part this just comes from physios that are trying to make themselves useful when a lifter goes to them with an injury. I can tell you that anytime I have a client who has some sort of really mild niggle like hey my elbow is acting up a little bit In these cases, a simple modification to their exercise selection or execution or maybe just a slight shift in exactly how they are performing a lift. Like, okay, don't do chin-ups with a supinated grip, now try a neutral grip. Honestly, many times this can be a perfectly valid solution to a lot of these things, but I can tell already if they tell me that they're going to go to a physio, I know that they will come back with a buzzing head because the physio told them that, oh, you have like uh, whatever imbalance in this muscle and like that muscle is not activating and that one is overacting and whatever. Of course, they're gonna say that because they are trying to be useful and you know they don't just wanna tell the person like, oh, well, uh, I don't know, be careful, maybe rest a little bit, uh, you will be fine, but I don't lift myself, so I don't know what the fuck you're doing in the gym. So maybe just go don't go to the gym for a while. They don't just wanna say that, so they are going going to come up with some really, really fancy diagnosis and the client is of course freaking out. So I would say that um, learn about injury management. If you're a lifter, lifting for muscle growth, it's really, really not that complicated. For the most part, of course, there are extreme scenarios like a severely herniated disc or something like that. But for the most part, honestly, Injuries are something that you can just work around and manage, but actually I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in this video. So for now, I'm just going to say these special prehab protocols, corrective exercises, for most people is just way, way overrated. Okay, the next one is uh, special training techniques or advanced training techniques. So this would be things like drop sets, rest pause training, um, whatever, supersets, all these kinds of stuff. I like these things and I mainly like them as a time saver. So for example, doing drop sets or supersetting things like it can be a good way to save time, response training as well, but there's definitely not a requirement for them. So the reason I call them overrated is because a lot of people look at these things and think that this is like a more advanced, more effective training technique that is only reserved for unique cases because they are just so effortful that a beginner or an intermediate like me could not tolerate this. The reality is no, like, these techniques are definitely not any more effective. Probably they are actually less effective than traditional straight sets and normal ass weight training. But a lot of people just think that because they are a bit more unique or complex or just unconventional, then they must be more effective. They aren't. They absolutely aren't. If anything, they are less effective. In fact, a lot of in a lot of cases, these special training techniques, the only real question is how much of it can we do and get away with it and still get maximal results even though you know, on a lot of levels they are actually suboptimal. So um, I could go into it a lot more but um, let's not waste too much time. So the point is special training techniques, they're cool, I like them but don't think that you're missing out on anything if you never use them. Okay so the next thing here I actually just wrote down death zone and what I meant by that is there is a crowd out there that is really specializing in absolutely maximizing your training effort. So it's not just the case that you should train hard. It's not just the case that you should train close to failure, sometimes to failure, but no. Like we are going to teach you how you can channel your inner hatred and frustrations and childhood traumas into getting yet another rep, even though you thought that there is no way you have another rep in you. The thing is, training hard is cool. I do like higher training efforts. I actually do recommend training harder than a lot of people recommend it these days in the evidence-based circles. But training effort, just like anything else in life and in training as well, has diminishing returns to it. So, yeah, training hard is good. I think, for example, getting all the reps that you can in a set and not leaving any reps in the tank is cool. But is there really value in somehow still getting another rep and absolutely dying in that squat rack or in that hack squat? I don't think so. Like, sure, you can do it. But I would say that there are potential issues with it. Like, at some point, it is actually an opportunity cost. Like, all that energy that you're channeling into that, like, you could just do a freaking other set. Or actually, you could perhaps focus on getting in a bit more training volume and not absolutely just trashing yourself with each set that you're doing. So I think overemphasizing something usually backfires in training like no matter if you're a big proponent of super high training volumes or absolutely maximizing the training effort or finding the absolute perfect prettiest exercises for each muscle group if you become too one-dimensional and focus too much on one thing usually it ends up being counterproductive and this is no exception in my opinion so I think it's highly highly overrated. If you're training pretty hard, you're pushing yourself close to failure, close enough, killing yourself and in some way still finding a way to do another rep is just not going to result in much of anything. It's going to look good on Instagram and maybe it will make you feel good and sometimes that can actually be a good reason by itself to do it but uh, still it doesn't change the fact that it's highly highly overrated. Okay, so the next thing is, uh, since I actually mentioned it, is uh, the perfect movements and finding them and the pursuit of finding them. So don't get me wrong, exercise selection is important. It is very, very important. One of the absolute fundamentals of hypertrophy training, and it's actually going to be mentioned later in the not overrated category, but some people are just so focused on it and they are just so set on finding not just movements that are good effective and they have a lot of the qualities that a good movement has for stimulating muscle growth but no like they really have to find the perfect angle the perfect resistance curve the perfect whatever and they focus so much on it that they actually end up overlooking other really important factors in training such as effort actually being consistent with things, logistical convenience, you know, like if you have an exercise that is great on paper, but it takes like half an hour to set it up, and so you're actually never going to do it then what's the point really i would say just like i said it before get a good basic cursory understanding of anatomy biomechanics and functional anatomy in the muscles once you have that you will be able to select really good effective movements and then don't obsess over finding the perfect movement you can nerd out on it of course there's nothing wrong with it but i would recommend that you actually do that outside of the gym like don't experiment in the gym with all kinds of stuff when you're in the gym train and also i would say while nerding out on finding these awesome exercises just don't start overhauling your program like every week and including new movements in it you know what that's called program hopping okay program hopping is not good being attracted by shiny new toys all the time is not good that leads to people spinning their wheels and not actually getting anywhere with their training so the perfect exercise don't chase it so much you know chase other good things in life so again highly overrated stuff okay so with that we arrive to the next category and these are things that definitely matter so i wouldn't call them overrated although i guess i could because the sentence continues with but not as much as you think so they matter but just not as much as you think okay so the first thing that i'm going to mention here is rest periods I think um, there was a shift in this in the industry definitely a few years ago. So it used to be believed that short rest periods are required for building muscle and then long rest periods are required for gaining strength. Now it's relatively well established that simply just resting enough to feel ready to perform and to not be limited by things like cardiovascular fatigue and just being out of breath. Like that's a thing that's going to benefit strength and size equally. So whatever your goal is, just rest enough. You know, don't make not being recovered between sets the limiter of your performance if you have that basically your rest periods just don't matter that much and sometimes it can be worthwhile to actually try to cut down on your rest periods and preserving performance because that can be a good time saver even though there are other smart ways to save time in the gym, such as pairing up exercises. But anyway, rest periods matter, but just not as much as you think. Okay, so yeah, it's just not very exciting. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Okay, the next thing on this list is your training split. So are you following a bro split? Are you doing upper lower or push pull legs or full body? This is something that I think every trainee is obsessing about at a certain period. I think maybe in the first like two, three years of our training journey, all of us like to look at other people like, okay, so like, what are you doing? Oh, you're doing a push-pull legs, hmm. And like, what is this other guy doing? Oh, like he's doing upper-lower, like shit. Then like, both of them have good physiques, like which one should I pick? I don't know, like that guy has a bigger chest, so I guess I will go with his. A lot of people have this mindset and the thing is that what exact training split you're following is completely irrelevant. Like, it literally doesn't matter because what actually matters is other variables in your training which are far more important And your training split is simply a function of arranging your exercises, your training volume, certain lifts that you're doing with higher or lower intensities, arranging all of that and organizing it in a way so that it facilitates good performance in the gym as well as good recovery. So it's actually more so about certain things that your split doesn't have than what it does have so your split for example ideally shouldn't have a day which is just absolutely trashing you with like all kinds of super demanding compound full body lifts and you're barely able to walk at the end of it and your performance sucks by the end of it but then you have other days which are like super super easy and like you barely break a sweat like that's a badly organized split in most cases you should do something which has a more even distribution of the workload so these are the things that you should pay attention to when you're looking at a training split and then what it actually is like is it an upper lower push pull legs like these are just completely made up arbitrary terms like there's no reason why you couldn't have a day where you have a lot of pressing exercises but then you also have a bicep curl which technically would be a pull I guess and of course there's nothing wrong with starting out with a template like this The issue begins when people start asking questions like okay so like a tricep extension like is that a push or a pull like because like i guess the triceps is used for presses more so but i mean i guess i could call this a pull in a way like it kind of looks like a pull So like this is the kind of stuff that has no value whatsoever and it only serves as just messing with your own head. So I would say get out of the split mentality and actually learn about programming a little bit. So learn how to smartly organize exercises, which muscle groups overlap, what are things that just don't work that well together if you do them back to back in a session. If you understand these basic things, then you just won't fret about what split you should be following exactly ever again. Okay, the next thing is actually somewhat related, and that is a training frequency. Okay, so training frequency, how often you train a muscle group per week, that is how I'm using training frequency here, or that's the context. It is important, like it definitely does have some value, but it is mainly a facilitator of other things, just like a training split is, okay? So if you are doing a higher volume of training, then having a higher training frequency is going to be useful. If you're doing low volume training, that it is basically just not going to be very important at all, even though I do like, for example, higher training frequencies because it makes tracking your training and tracking your progress much, much easier. And also it can have some nice logistical benefits, psychological benefits. For example, if you hate having leg days, then spreading your leg volume or your quad volume, let's say out over multiple days can be a nice thing. So for things like this, training frequency can matter but for the most part, it is secondary to other things such as training volume, training effort, and stuff like that, okay? So training frequency is not unimportant, but um, it it just doesn't matter nearly as much as we think. There was a period a couple of years ago when we thought that training frequency and a higher training frequency can be basically almost like a stimulus on its own, It most likely isn't the case and there is pretty good research supporting that as well now. And with that, the last thing on this list or in this category is rep ranges or I could also say training intensity. So are you lifting heavier weights for lower reps or lighter weights for higher reps? Uh, The thing is that um, it can matter, but it mainly matters for fatigue management. For example, doing a set of 20 in a squat is just going to murder you because you're going to be out of breath and you will just feel like doing weighted cardio and it's just going to be hell so don't do that do more like five to eight reps on the squat but on something like a lateral raise doing sets of five to eight is probably pretty silly because it's just going to feel super super awkward the shoulder joint can easily get injured if you're not being nice to it so maybe doing something like 15 to 20 even 30 reps is going to be more viable and uh, beyond that now actually there is pretty good research supporting that your rep range just doesn't matter a whole lot so you can build all the muscle that you want using uh, higher rep ranges lower rep ranges lifting heavy or light so long as you're going close enough to failure it basically just doesn't matter a whole lot and with that we arrive to the next category which is the important category so these things without question will matter and will have a oh i need to squeeze Okay, that was a satisfying sneeze, but I cut it out. So this is the important category. So these things not only matter, they are not only things that matter in certain contexts. Like these things will unquestionably have a significant impact on your muscle building progress. So you have to pay attention to these. And so let's get into them. They are not essential things, by the way. So you don't have to pay attention to them above all, but you have to be aware of them. And you always have to know that if things are not going well, one of these things being off could actually be a big factor. So the first thing here is a training volume. Of course, one of the sexiest topics in training. So training volume is often touted as the main driver of hypertrophy and uh, that might be true in a statistical sense. So there are a lot of studies where they keep volume constant between different groups but then they change other variables in their training such as the rep ranges that they use and they see that they make the same amount of gains. So in that sense we could see that okay like it seems like volume is the main driver here because if that's the same then the other things just don't matter that much but uh, the reality is that there are other variables in your training Training, and this is not even debatable which have to be in place before you could actually benefit from volume okay so it might be the main driver but this is just not a useful statement to make because in practice if you just focused on volume and you didn't focus on those other things at all you would still not gain an ounce of muscle but anyway the point is that training volume is important and uh, you have to be aware of that so once you become an intermediate lifter and then an a lay stage intermediate slowly getting to the advanced stage your training can be only so minimalistic. I am actually a big believer in training volume not having to be nearly as high as a lot of people say. So I think there are far fewer people that really require something like 20 sets per week to maximize hypertrophy. But um, this is something that is difficult to study. And while we have a lot of research, very little of that research is actually super relevant for people like us who train smartly with good exercise selection, with high enough efforts. If you look at those things, and if those things are in place, then the actual volume amount needed to maximize hypertrophy is probably going to be a lot smaller than what's shown in these studies. So even if you see in a study that, okay, like 30 or 40 sets was better than only 20 sets, like you have to keep in mind that those people are not training like you're training, okay? Like the better your exercise selection, the higher the effort, the better the intentionality in your training, all of those factors, the better you are about optimizing those variables, the less actual sets you will need in your training to really, really start making things happen. Okay, but nevertheless, training volume is important. Okay, next thing is uh, not going to spend too much time on this, but technical execution. Okay, so if you're butchering your lifts, if you're doing partial range of motion, you're heaving the weights and uh, doing all kinds of funky things, then for one, you're not going to stimulate the muscles as well as you could because you're going to cut down on parts of the range of motion. And that part of the range of motion is not there as a joke, like it actually does something to the muscle, such as growing it if you do it under load but also you're just going to risk injury and it's hard to make progress if you're out of the gym injured, okay? So technical execution, I think it's a no-brainer. Of course, it's important. The next thing is it relates to an earlier concept that I mentioned and that is injury management, okay? So what do you do if something starts hurting in the gym? You have elbow pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, your back hurts a little bit. Is going to happen, these things will happen to all of us at a certain point. The question is, are you going to be dumb about it and make it a lot worse by aggravating it and actually turn it into a serious injury, whereas it could have been something that's over in a week. So are you going to do that? Are you going to take like two weeks off if you have a tiny bit of niggle in your elbow tendon or something like that? Are you going to do that? Because that's going to be a problem too, because you're just going to slow yourself down so, so much. Things are going to hurt here and there in the gym. It's the nature of the beast. Like you're lifting heavy weights. It's a lot safer than a lot of other sports, but it's still heavy weights. It still has a risk. So little niggles will happen, but serious injuries in most cases are basically completely avoidable unless it's like some complete freak accident, which from time to time also happen, unfortunately. But the point is, Learn how to manage injuries. It's really nothing complicated. Many, many times you can actually keep training very productively if you just modify your training setup a bit. Either your exercise selection, the rep range, the tempo, the way of executing certain lifts. Like if you just do those things many, many times, you don't need to take any time off and the injury heals and you can keep training productively. So learn this. It's going to be very, very valuable. And the last thing here, of course, is exercise selection. Okay, so I did mention that there are diminishing returns by trying to find the perfect exercise, but that's not to say that you shouldn't be picking good exercises, okay? So once again, learn a bit about functional anatomy. Watch that video that I did not that long ago about exercise selection. So you have to pick movements that are good enough, that are going to do a good enough job, And you know, there are some movements that people love doing in the gym that are fatiguing. Uh, They may look cool on the camera, but if you actually look at the range of motion and kind of just like the alignment of that exercise to certain muscles and how uh, they are stimulating them, you will see that actually, like they just don't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, so like learn a bit about that kind of stuff. It's really not that complicated. Avoid doing silly stuff in the gym, spend your time well. If you drag your ass down to the gym and you're willing to spend there an hour, hour and a half, then you might as well do things that actually hit the muscles really well. Okay, so um, exercise selection, definitely very, very important. And finally, we arrived to the last category, and that is the essential category. Essential meaning that if somehow these things were just completely off in your training, you would not go anywhere, okay? I see this all the time. Like it's not something that I'm just making up. Like there are people who just don't get anywhere for long periods of time. These are people usually in their intermediate stage, early intermediate stage. They already made their newbie gains where basically anything works. And then they just don't know where to go and they try all kinds of stuff. And it's just not happening. Like six months later, a year later, like they're just as big as they were before. And many times these are the factors that are off. Okay. So. First thing is intensity of effort, okay? So I mentioned that the death zone is overrated, like you don't have to die, you don't have to think about your family being killed in war or something to make good gains. Like no, you don't have to overdo it, but you need to train with high enough efforts, okay? Effort is essential. So this is what I meant when I said that some variables have to be in place for you to benefit from training volume. If your effort is way, way off, then it doesn't matter how many sets you do, like literally it doesn't matter. It could be 20, it could be 30, it could be a thousand per week. If you're like 10 reps away from failure, you would not build muscle. Like I'm pretty confident in saying, I don't think you would build a gram of muscle that way. So the effort has to be high enough. There is a debate now in the industry. The general consensus so far was like, okay, try to be at least within like four reps of failure. I think that's, that's a decent guideline. I personally recommend training zero reps away from failure. I don't recommend training to failure, as in I don't want you to fail reps. But I think there is nothing wrong with getting all the reps that you can in a set. I don't think it's like somehow disproportionately super super fatiguing except maybe on some movements like a squat or a deadlift but on those basically nobody's training zero reps to failure anyway because their training would inevitably start breaking down but I will also say that there's nothing wrong with leaving like one two even three reps in the tank. I don't think you would get much worse of a training stimulus. I like training a bit harder and training true to failure mainly for other reasons such as tracking progress but that's a whole different topic. Um, There are opinions out there that you can even maximize hypertrophy you know like six reps away from failure now I'm very very skeptical about that but I'm open-minded I actually want to have a uh, Dr. Mike Zerdos on the podcast to discuss this um, so definitely keeping an open mind but at this moment I'm very very skeptical so intensity of effort has to be high enough okay so you cannot just be flailing around in the gym that's what a lot of people do those people that I see in the gym who come there year after year and literally just look the same each year like there's no changes and in a way i really admire them because they keep up with something that is clearly not yielding results but it could yield results if they just trained a bit more effortfully okay they wouldn't even have to track their training which would also be recommended but that's not really a training variable per se so it's not discussed here you wouldn't even have to track anything you wouldn't need a split just train hard okay probably it still wouldn't be optimal but at least you would get somewhere okay so effort is essential And the other thing is, uh, actually, what was the other thing? Totally forgot. Maybe that was the only thing. Oh, of course, progressiveness, okay? So this is actually where tracking progress can be really valuable because then you actually see how you're progressing. But the point is that over time, you should be getting better at your training. Basically, that's what it boils down to. If your training is good, if it's set up well, if the training volume is not way off, if the rep ranges make sense, if the effort is high enough, then over time, you getting stronger, lifting more weights or doing more reps is going to be a natural consequence of your training. Okay, It's not the case that progressive overload and trying to get as strong as possible is what drives muscle growth. You didn't get big, bigger in your chest this workout because you lifted two kilos more than in the last workout. No, you're lifting two kilos more this time because your last workout was successful and your muscles adapted to it. And that's what should happen over time. So that's how you go from benching you know, 60 kilos to eventually lifting you know, 120 kilos. So progressiveness, it's something that you have to monitor and watch out for and if you're seeing that you're not progressing over time and you're not considerably stronger than you were six months ago then it's like something is way off okay like you, you should never have that except at the highly advanced level like yeah of course like if you've been training well for 15 years then you're not going to be hitting pr's left and right but for a long long period of time pr's in the gym and getting stronger should be a regular occurrence okay so that would be the last thing and uh Boy, this video was long, but I hope it was informative, and uh, basically that's, that's, that's the whole thing. I think I covered most of the things that people prize really highly and think are super important for hypertrophy, but are really overrated, and also the things that a lot of people overlook, but are actually quite essential for building as much muscle as possible. Uh, nevertheless, let me know what you thought of this video. If it was informative, please drop a like and subscribe for more videos like that. Also, just want to say that my Instagram got disabled, the old one, so ssdable is dead, but ssd.able is alive on Instagram, okay? So uh, follow me there, please. Uh, I would love to have you on there. And uh, beyond that, check out the show description if you want to be coached by me. Um, If you want to do a consultation, there are also ways to do that. And other than that, I want to thank you for your attention for today, and I will see you in the next video.